Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is someone whose mom was disappointed in him. Mom was an entrepreneur herself. He decides he's going to quit his job, get his brother to quit his job, and they go start a business. And his mom was worried about them and was a little disappointed. Meanwhile, they ended up doing well for themselves. They created this one company that let people stream Bollywood music. Am I right? Yep. What was the name of the company? How do you Dingana? Dingana. Dingana. And then he, uh, they sold the business to RDO. He went on to create a next company also with his brother, Mezzi. Mezzi is like, imagine if you could, if, imagine if you had the ideal assistant and you could just message him and say, I need to fly from here to there. I have these fly, this flight requirements. And it actually, you got the results. That's what Mezzi wanted to do. Am I right? You want to do that all um, using software and you eventually did it and sold it to Amazon. Why am I looking at your face and you look like I'm, I'm uh, disappointed in the way that I'm explaining it? <laughs> yep. So Mezzi was an AI-powered travel assistant that could plan and book travel for all business travelers. And the mm -hmm. way it worked was over a very simple messaging interface. So you could chat with Mezzi and say that, hey, Mezzi, I want to travel from San Francisco to New York by a business class and I'll be staying closer to the downtown. Can you find me the, the right uh, hotel to stay, the right flight, and also some restaurants for my dinner reservation, et cetera. And Mezzi would use to basically do all the research and present you with only three options. And uh, there, was, there, there was a very high conversion from us presenting with options and you actually booking the travel. But, but it was all scenes, software. It was uh, a human-assisted AI platform. Uh, mm -hmm. So we had travel agents on our team, but they used to collaborate with our AI-powered platform, which then deeply integrated into the entire travel ecosystem. Okay. Look for all the flights, restaurants, hotels, everything. And you made money from? So we, we basically licensed that platform to companies like American Express, travel management companies, and, and other players who already had travel offerings to their customers. So someone like Amex started using Mezzi to automate their travel concierge. And that's how okay. we started our partnership with them. The voice you just heard is Swapnil Shinde. He is the co-founder of that company. Um, today, he's doing the same thing, applying it towards bookkeeping. So if you wish that you had the perfect bookkeeper that would organize your books for you in QuickBooks, and also you could text them in the middle of the night and say, I want to know how much money we made yesterday or last month, this software will do it. It's called Zenny. You can see it at zenny.ai. I want to find out about how you launch this business, and we can do it all thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. Check them out at hostgator.com slash Mixergy. The second is Rippling. If you're paying people, Rippling will do it, and Zenny works with Rippling. I'll talk about that when I do the ad for Rippling and tell people to go to rippling.com slash Mixergy. Zenny, for, um, excuse me, Swamp Nail first. How much did you sell the business to American Express for? It happened about two years after launching. How much was it for? Yeah, it was uh, somewhere between $100 and $200 million. That is amazing. Within two years. Yep. It was, it was a, a pretty, I would say, rewarding and exciting journey for us because that was a time when artificial intelligence was just hitting the market. And it was the nascent days. And we were able to not only build, but also scale probably the first AI-powered travel as a service platform uh, in the world. And we scaled it to more than 10 million travelers and launched it in several countries around the world. And, and you raised how, you raised very little for it. How much did you raise? We had raised close to around $11 million 
over two rounds of funding. So it was extremely uh, early stage. We were, I think, post Series A that time when we sold. Wow, we how, how did life change for you day to day after that sale, if at all? Yeah, I would I would say the the scale that we started operating operating at post acquisition was very different because uh, as as Mezzi, we were a startup, we we had. Uh, probably worked with somewhere around 100 to 200,000 uh, travelers till then. When MX acquired us, suddenly when we launched, we were talking about at least a million card members who would be using Mezzi in, in the first few months. And then we scaled it to 10 million and then uh, probably uh, tens of millions after that. We launched it in several countries around the world. We grew the team significantly. The integration was super tight. So it was, I wow. think, pretty pretty rewarding to see a platform like Mezzi being such deeply integrated into Amex. What about on a personal level? After the sale, were you able to finally buy a house in the Bay Area or or anything like that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, personally as well, for both me and Snehal, it was probably one of our uh, financially the, the biggest outcome till date. We uh, did uh, upgrade our houses. We moved from Sunnyvale to Los Altos. So that was a uh, a good to have, but I think uh, apart from the monetary outcome and, and, and the, the size of the houses, the most rewarding part I would say was really building a team and affecting the lives of pretty much all the early people in our team in a way that it made them financially independent probably for the rest of their lives. And a lot of early executives made a lot of money for the big exit. But also I would say career-wise, it, it actually made everyone part of a very uh, deep success story that will live on for, I would say, decades to come. I remember the time. We're talking about, you launched what, 2016, am I right? Somewhere around there? Uh, 2015. 2015. So, yep. so around that time, uh, there were all these text-based assistants that were trying like the the big one that got a lot of attention in the tech space was magic the uh-huh. idea was right you pay them what uh they were playing with different pricing you're smiling you recognize yeah. it what, yeah, what yeah. Is, how would you describe what magic did i think uh the way i would describe magic is tell us anything and we'll get it done right and it was supposed to be was... done by by like an artificial intelligence software something but in reality they were starting with real people and eventually they were going to build up to to software, right? I don't think they ever uh, spoke about it being AI only or AI powered, but it was uh, more, it it got a lot of attention because they said that, hey, you can now chat with us over a Mm -hmm. simple uh, text interface and we'll get anything done for you as long as it's legal. And to us, that was the biggest problem because the moment you say that we as a product can do everything, you are getting ready for failure because doing everything is, is very hard. You came up with the idea because I, I read the Forbes story where you and your wife were driving. She asked you to buy something. You said, I'll do it. You look at your phone. You say, wait, I wish I could just text message and get somebody to do this. Why do I have to go on a website and figure this whole thing out? You go back, you talk to your brother. The two of you say, you know, we could do this. When you were thinking we could do this, did you think all shopping in the beginning or did you think everything the way that magic and others had gone or did you automatically zero in on travel? Great question. So, by the way, that was my identical twin brother, Snehal, who was traveling with his wife and uh, thought about this idea. Uh, it was he who had that experience, got it. And yeah, he's the one who yeah. then called you, okay? Yeah, he's the one then uh, who then called me. And then I take all the credit of building the company. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the credit for coming up with the idea. And then in the beginning, was the idea after he had that conversation with his wife where she wanted him to buy something, was the idea to automatically go into shopping first to do something else? How did you pick what area to focus on? Yeah, so uh, I, I think our initial thesis was that all of us are going to live extremely busy lives as we move on. And uh, it would be amazing if we could have a hand behind our back, like a concierge who can help us simplify our lives on a daily basis by doing some important things for us. And hopefully if we get that experience right, then we can transform the lives of those consumers over a period of time. So with that, as our key vision, we launched Mezzi as your shopping assistant. Okay. So we said that if you want to buy anything, then please use Mezzi to uh, Mezzi as your shopping assistant. But what we realized was that in the first six months of us going live, we saw that people were buying things from, uh, I would say, 15 to 20 different verticals. And when we started looking at the data and the analytics, we realized that travel was growing at, uh, I, I would say, triple digit growth every month. And people who spent on travel actually came back and spent on other things. And the average uh, ticket size for travel was $1,000, whereas for, for fashion and, and other verticals was $100. So when you actually use Mezzi to buy travel and spend that $1,000 with us, the trust that you established with your concierge uh. was extremely high. And, and then we, we pretty early, I think we were one of the very few players who realized that building AI vertically in an extremely deep manner would be far more powerful than building something horizontal horizontal, which was, I think, one of the major mistakes that most of the players did and hence weren't able to survive. But then we repositioned ourselves as your travel assistant Okay. and started building AI that was extremely deep for the travel. Let, let me pause before we get to the AI. The first version, when it was all shopping, was it your software was just routing the messages over to real people who are sitting at desktop computers and helping your customers? Yes, for the for the first, I, I would say three to six months, uh, it would be stupid to directly build AI to do something that we don't know what, uh, right. we, we didn't know how consumers would be using us. So we okay. actually use real people to stimulate all those conversations. Then over a period of time, we learned that what are the most mundane tasks that they do and we started chipping away with it using technology. Okay, how many people did you get to when before you figured out it was going to be um, travel? How, uh, how many uh, customer service people, I mean? I, I would say around uh, 15. Okay, 15. And it was you personally, not your brother, who created <laughs> the first version of the software? Yeah, so I actually coded the entire, uh, I would say, the front end, the products that were facing the consumers, and Snehal built the entire back end. Okay. And so I get how you did that. Your goal was to get consumers. You told our producer, I think I went, we went out to our friends and our friends started using it. Once you got past your friends, how did you get more people to sign up for Mezzi? Great question. I think a lot of them actually started spreading the word to others. And one of the key things that we did was uh, trying to see if some of the influential people in our network who are early adopters of new products would be interested in using Mezzi. And when they actually liked it, they started sharing it because uh, these early adopters are always evangelists. So they will talk about your product, spread the word, and like kind of gather that a, initial set. Who was an influencer who did that? So uh, a few of us, actually, uh, some of my close friends who are who are working at eBay, PayPal, uh, then uh, some of our investors that or advisors 
uh, that uh, we had been in touch with during our previous startups they helped us spread the word and uh, i would say then we ended up raising our first round which was a seed round from nexus ventures and mm-hmm. post that we also hired a pr firm we did some pr around it that also helped to to increase the initial set of users there was yeah. uh there's an article about you guys 2015 in techcrunch and deep in the article is a list of all the competitors i don't know how many of them are still around there was there was go butler there was uh-huh. operator remember operator raised a ton of money tens of millions yeah. of dollars yep I don't even know if they're still around Agent Q. There's an experimental feature from Facebook called M. There was a bunch of stuff. And you dove into it thinking these players exist. We can still win because what? We can still survive? Yeah. So uh, to be very frank, I think some of these started at the same time that we did. They might have raised far more money than we did. But I think what really helped us win was our focus on the technology part of it. Go Butler's Magics, they started building like these huge customer support teams and operations team to support their growth. But we actually, instead of focusing on the growth, we focused on building the right technology. Early on, we started adopting AI, machine learning, neural networks to to build the entire experience. And that really helped us grow probably an year down the line instead of growing in, in, in the first year itself to a level where you need a lot of humans to do this job. So first it was it was humans it was all shopping you zeroed in on on travel mm-hmm. and then you I don't think you ever did advertising to get customers right you you initially went into partnerships to get users yeah. right yep. that was that was a key thing too and maybe that's why also you didn't show up on my radar a lot because or at all magic was constantly out being talked about you yeah. weren't because you were powering other people's software yep that's right yeah, how did you and- get those deals yeah, so we, uh, I mean, because both me and Snail have very deep technical backgrounds, we also spoke at a lot of conferences on how we were building our technology stack, etc. I think that increased uh, a, a lot of interest in Mezi. And then to a level where we actually never did outbound BD effort, we had inbound interest in, in wanting to partner with Mezi. So we actually closed down the platform and we had uh, initial set of five to 10 customers. And these were big customers like big banks, uh, companies like American Express, big travel companies who wanted to use Mezi. And, and they found you down. because you spoke at conferences, their developers saw you speak and, and they said, we shouldn't build this. Here's a tool that we can implement. Let's just pay for this tool instead of building our version of it. Is that right? Yeah, so some some found us via the conferences. And whenever we spoke at conferences, like VentureBeat, I, I still recall, like did a profile on Mezi. TechCrunch, as you saw, did a, a, a profile on Mezi. So all those, I think, things added up to the, uh, to the I, I would say, the branding and the awareness about Mezi. Enterprise sales, especially when you're going to be talking to so many of your customers' customers, is really tough. I've seen people here in Silicon Valley do it who are just so outgoing, so full of friends, and I could see why they do well. You're too developers who aren't looking to go and glad handle and travel to all these different events and right you're not putting on these big performances for for enterprise how did you close all those sales they just came to you and said we want your software because we saw you at VentureBeat? oh uh, no 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 uh, not at all i would say i think uh, whatever pr that happens around your product can uh allow others to see it. But at the end of the day, you should be able to sell your vision, your platform, your uniqueness, your differentiator to these potential partners. And I think uh, we have the right personalities to be able to convince this. Like 
I would I would say top decision makers to believe in what we are doing. Think of it as if you're pitching to an investor. <laughs> so it was more like an investor pitch for us than a sales pitch because these early partners were also going to help us build the product in the right way. Who is the first customer? So our first customer was in fact American Express. American Express. So you got American Express and they wanted to build you into what? Into their app? Yeah, so they uh, the, the initial goal was to launch uh, a, a white label app with American Express and we did that it was called Ask MX. Ah. Uh, Ask MX. Yep. Okay. I- and so you were basically the power behind the software that they were then using for their customers. That's also pretty impressive that they would take that risk on you, right? Because if your startup failed, if what you did couldn't live up to their expectations, if you just started, uh, I don't know, slacking off, their software and their interaction with their customers would fail. How do they protect themselves against that? Yeah, so one of the uh, things that MX is great at is partnering with startups and they move also pretty fast compared to Hmm. uh, other, uh, I would say, competitors that MX has. And that allows them to innovate really fast. And obviously, they just don't work with any startup. They work with startups who have strong teams, who have strong products, who are backed by strong investors, etc. So they did their own due diligence. And I think for us as startup founders, whenever we start a company, it's do or die for us. So you always try to do your best and make sure that every, especially critical partnerships like these succeed. And so you you mentioned VentureBeat. I went and I did a search to see what articles were written about you in VentureBeat. I didn't realize how extensively they, co- they covered you. Um, but one of the things that they were interested in is the marriage of artificial intelligence and humans. And I see a few articles about that, that I think in one article you said that your software could never fail because there's always a human being behind. If there's a search that the software can't do on its own, there's a person to come in and help. Um, at what point did you add artificial intelligence and what was it able to do in the beginning? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we started working on artificial intelligence uh, uh, in the early days, but the, the way we looked at the problem was that today, if 100% of our uh, customer requests are served by humans, what which part of that request can be served by machines first? So the initial part that we automated was instead of the humans going and looking and searching for flights, hotels, and uh, dining reservations, the, the robots used to do that with the same accuracy as our travel agents would. And then pick three recommendations that were extremely personalized for our customers and send them that. So the recommendation part of our engine was first powered by AI. So I would say I want to go to Sam. I want to go to New York. Mm-hmm. Your software would chat back at me, right? It was text-based. Yeah. Yep. Where mm-hmm. Where are you now? I say San Francisco. When do you want to go? I say that. And basically, yeah. you're doing the equivalent of punching it into a form on a site. But instead of punching it into a form on a site, you're or displaying it as a, as a search result, you're displaying it as text messages back to me, right? And that's all software done. Yes, yes. So the the key thing to note here is that when you're chatting with Messi, we need to chat with you as if you feel that you're talking to a real human. And for us to do that, we we build tools using natural language processing, uh, neural networks, etc. to really understand that and present ourselves to you in a way that is extremely human or or realistic. So the natural language processing part I get, someone types in uh, and why. And you need to know, all right, NY in this context means New York, makes sense. The artificial intelligence part, where did that come in in the beginning? What did that do? Yeah, so 
so think of it like uh, we the way we always thought about it is like if you actually uh, picked up your phone and spoke to a travel agent how would the travel agent react to the way you are saying like your the travel agent would first ask you like okay tell me where do you want to travel do you have any preferences you will say that hey i would i typically like to sit on an aisle seat i like to fly business when i am flying mm-hmm. for business or otherwise i fly economy when i'm doing my personal travel and these are my meal preferences and these are the airlines i like to fly and these are my reward points etc and normally when i uh, uh, stay at a hotel i like to stay at boutique hotels i don't like to stay at big chain hotels and then you take all that information and you find the right matches for that right. particular customer so replacing a human mind with artificial mind was actually where we used our ai and, and nlp it was a combination of all that that created that unique experience okay do you give can you give me an example of something that would always go back to humans and you couldn't and at least until you sold couldn't get software to do but it was it it was repetitive and people had to keep going in and doing it anyway hmm like yeah, i want yeah yeah so <clears throat> I, i would say that when we sold 60 to 70% of all requests were served by machines Okay. At least when it come came to flights and hotels, but the remaining thirty percent was uh, going to take significant more time. So I would all, 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 I would say that whenever you want to automate the first twenty to thirty percent, you probably can do it in six months. The net next thirty to forty percent might take you an year, and then the next twenty percent might take you two years after that. So the okay. deeper you go, the the more harder it is to automate things. And there are always some requests where uh, let's say you are four people traveling. together and we need to take care of the preferences of all four then obviously we would just uh, have a human manage all that instead of an ai because ai was more fine tuned towards uh, i would say managing travel for a particular individual instead of group travel what's one thing that you did better with mezzi than a real person would do speed and accuracy mm-hmm. and personalization So one thing that we did using our technology was to create a a living profile for each customer we called it the the travel genome yeah that means that every time you chat with us we already knew what your preferences were from your previous chats with us and if you are if you are talking to us for the third time and you say that hey mezzi uh, can you book me a flight to new york then mezzi would say sure will you be flying from san francisco as usual and you would say yes and we knew yeah. that you would like business class we knew what your preferences were and we we'll, we would directly give you the, the those options and that used to create an aha moment for customers i do love how my assistant knows that i prefer aisle because i like to get up and go i like that she knows that unless there's a dramatic price difference i want sfo not the oakland airport um those little touches just help a lot that i just yeah. feel protected i also love that in my calendar there's certain things that are specific to me i i like to to just land and not know a thing about where i am or not not even think about what hotel i go to but no it's it'll be in my calendar and i'll just show it to the uber driver or or punch it into uber and go that experience is just amazing so you're creating yeah. that experience why didn't you go the route of competing with expedia why did you decide that what you do instead is um is partner with companies like american express and power their software because our goal was to build a travel concierge and not really another a travel booking engine which expedia is in fact we looked at expedia or kayak as potential partners 
and our goal was always to how do we give you that concierge who can help simplify your life on a daily basis right if you go back to our the roots of our vision so that was our thesis and amex platinum concierge is the gold standard when it comes to concierge so mm-hmm. partnering with them was super exciting but then you could have directly, built your own brand it could have been mezzy is the thing that we saw on television it could have been yeah. mezzy that we were all interacting with for shopping but you you didn't want to is it because the the marketing to consumers is a skill set that's just harder to develop while you're building artificial intelligence no i would say uh, it depends upon your go to market strategy if you want to go to direct to consumer then i think uh, it will it's it's a whole different ball game where all these like companies like priceline expedia kayak they are spending millions and billions on on acquiring consumers and from a go to market perspective i think it was a smarter play for us to go to consumers via a partner so it was a b2b2c model where the consumers would still be using our product it would be powered by mezzi instead of mezzi as the key brand but for us to acquire those consumers uh, it would be easier through our partnership all right let me talk about my first sponsor and then i want to come back and ask you about the previous business and why your mom didn't want you to start it my first sponsor is a company called hostgator for hosting websites you've heard many of my guests say that they've used hostgators you've heard me say that i host mixergy on hostgator if you're looking for a hosting company just keep this in the back of your mind if you go to hostgator.com/mixergy they'll give you great hosting at a really low price and that url will get you the lowest price they have here it is again host gator.com/mixergy I keep bringing up the fact that your your mom was an entrepreneur what did uh what startups was she involved with or she was entrepreneurial right yeah, yeah absolutely so she i think is the one uh because of which we have this entrepreneurial bug in us and it started at a very early age i would say at the age of 6 or so we always saw her uh, i would say building businesses and uh, from scratch like, like she what? had like she had a hardware manufacturing uh, startup once she ran that for several years then uh, she had a computer academy that she ran for several years and then she had uh, I, i would say arts and crafts studio that she ran for several years so we always saw her starting these businesses with a lot of enthusiasm running them and she always used to tell us that like having a steady job is so much easier because you always know how much you're going to earn and it's so safe but at the same time we always were inspired by the work that she was doing so at the back of our mind we always thought that hey uh, doing something that you really love is is definitely going to be super rewarding because we saw her doing it again and again so when it happened like both of us were working at yahoo we wanted to start our first startup dhingana and uh, i still remember i told mom that uh, i'm i'm the one who is going to quit first and jump in it and she was like are you crazy why are you doing that you you have such amazing jobs at yahoo and then uh, she asked her best friend to call me and she was like since you are leaving can you at least convince nehal to stay at at yahoo because what if this startup fails like maybe after 6 month it it fails and both of you will be out of job yeah and so yeah so she I can see her worry why didn't you take her up on that why didn't you say you know we are two brothers i'll i'll leave he'll stay we'll figure it out with when it works we'll both leave yeah because i don't think like you have so much time when you are building startups like every single day matters and you need to kind of run ahead of time so the more risk you take the better are the chances that you will uh, be rewarded and the chance of failure is so high that you should put your 500% in it if you want to do it 
or otherwise i think it's it's just increases your chances of failure and and just one of us wasn't enough it had to be both of us where did the original idea for that company come from tengana we yeah we were big bollywood buffs bollywood we love bollywood music bollywood movies and when we came to us to to do our masters in in usc we missed the bollywood music mm-hmm. we missed it so much that we decided to host a little website in our own bedroom through which we could listen our favorite songs when we were in college later we started doing the same when we started working at semantic and before we knew it we we told a few of our friends but before we knew it we had a thousand people who discovered that site out of nowhere and then we then we had to move it out of our bedroom to a, a hosting provider etc and that is how it started growing it started as your bedroom you broadcasting mu- i'm guessing you downloaded it is that right you just yeah got- it was just our our own personal library just for yourselves we Yeah just for ourselves. And it was on an ongoing basis like a radio or was it uh No it was interactive on you can, demand. You could, yeah on demand you can pick a a particular movie or an album and you can go and see all the songs and and then play it. Dingana means happiness, enjoyment, yeah, fun. Means, yeah, excitement, uh going going crazy with excitement and Okay. And what? <laughs> I, I would say it has several emotions in it. Uh-huh. Uh, having fun uh, in an i would say in an extremely excited state uh, there's a lot of frenzy in it funkiness in it so it's kind of that that's uh-huh. why the logo also showed like three people dancing on 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 the word dingana and so it was it was kind of like it seems like a spotify for bollywood music yep your friends discovered it even though you built it for yourselves it kept going how big did it get we when we raised our first round of funding we had a million users using us how what did you do to get a million users nothing we didn't do anything just word it, of mouth spread it just grew, grew virally that's it and then what about licensing how did you get the rights eventually to be able to make it into a business yeah so we actually uh, like and those were the initial times when a lot of record labels in india didn't even know how to license their music for the internet Mm-hmm. so i remember we had like uh, a lot of conversations with some of the parties in india to actually pay for those licensing costs and that also made it uh, harder for us to leave yahoo and just do this full time because we wanted to uh, we needed money to pay for the licensing costs so we left yahoo when we actually raised our first round of funding and so wait were you able to get you were able to get the rights to do this because they the people who had the rights were just new to this and they were open to new agreements is that it yeah i mean uh, that time it was a, a big i would say novelty to be able to do this over the internet and luckily at that time there were certain bodies who controlled licensing for pretty much all the music labels centrally mm-hmm. so we had to talk to one or two people to actually uh, get the licensing in place who's rohit uh, batina is he one of the co-founders No, Rohit Bhatia was uh, a CEO based out of India that we had later. Ah, okay, got it. Um, and then you added radio to it too, kind of like um, like yeah. Pandora, right? Uh-huh. And was the money coming in from what? From advertising? Yes, advertising and subscriptions. How big did it get before you sold it? We had around ten million listeners every single month. Wow, we no advertising, all word of mouth. all word of mouth yeah mostly in the us no yeah, i would say 50% of it was uh 30% was us 50% was india and the remaining was around the world wow 
And then how did the sale come about? We sold it to uh, IDEO. Mm-hmm. And IDEO was, again, uh, started by the founders of Skype. It had uh, probably one of the best music products, a pretty big cult following, uh, one of the early players in the market based out of San Francisco. And they really wanted to enter the Indian market. And because we had millions of users in India using uh, Dingana and we had deep expertise about the Indian music and the Indian market, it felt like a pretty amazing fit for them. And the the site just looks so... I don't even know how to describe what I'm looking at an old archive of the site. (laughs) It's, is this you creating this? Who who did the front end on this one? Here's what it looks like. It kind of looks like. like That was the text search. engine. that was the first. Yeah. That was the first, uh, probably the first initial version of Dingana. And I had coded this entire UI and the site myself. (laughs) With the tabs at the top where you can go to oldies, remixes, pop. Yeah. Yeah. This was you designing the whole thing yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How, does it bring you back to see that? Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. I, I, I still recall me playing with the tap colors and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair to say that at the time you didn't have, at the time of the page that I'm looking at, you didn't have licensing from music companies. You were just doing it on your own, downloading it yourself, putting it up on your site? No, I think this this one, we, we had uh, a license when you were- By then uh, you did. Yeah, yeah. But in the early versions, it was like our own music oh, from CDs yeah. that you had. Yeah. What was Dingana Assistant or Dingana Assist? It was uh, uh, a search engine that would. So one of the problems that we had with Indian music was when you're searching for uh, Indian lyrics in English, the search uh, would always fail. Mm. So we built this assist who could assist you in finding the right song. Software? Yeah. Yeah. That's that was you creating it? That's pretty impressive. Yep. I'm going down the uh the internet rabbit hole of trying to figure out the early days of Dingana and how it worked out. And um it looks like you also were doing some partnership or something with Yahoo for a little bit. You were trying to get into content, right? With some music news. Am I right about that? Uh yeah, we did. I, I think we did have a news uh a news product at some point. Right. You're just yeah. trying to see where does this go? Could this become like a portal for the Indian community? You eventually yeah. sold. How much did you sell for? We didn't disclose the price on that. Ballpark it. We're talking millions of dollars. Is it? Uh, uh, I would say, yeah, a few millions. Yep. Okay. Life change after that one? Uh, I would say it was a, a good outcome, but uh, the outcome that we had after that was <laughs> <laughs> miles <far> ahead. <laughs> miles ahead. All right. I want to talk about what you're up to right now. I see uh, Zenzi is, Zenny, excuse me, is the brand new product. You you came up with it because of what? What's the problem that you experienced? Yeah, so based on our own experience, we know that early stage companies are always low on resources and high on risk. And uh, most of them, like, like when we were running our first startup and the second startup, there were several different finance functions that we need to worry about. And it starts with bookkeeping, bill payments, invoicing, yes. uh, time CFO services, taxes. And for each of them, we had to hire someone to help us do it. And it was all manual, human intensive, error prone. Each of them used to use several different tools. So, uh, and we, we had to oversee everything to make sure there are no human mistakes, etc. And suddenly it became uh, extremely fragmented and complicated to manage finances. 
and we saw that again and again with both of uh, both our startups so we thought that i think we have to fix this problem because this problem is global every entrepreneur faces it and that's why we launched zeni and with zeni we created the first app about finance concierge for startups and but you do was, you do the full bookkeeping for people yes you've a team of people so i i keep thinking there's going to be some software that automatically does at least my books I don't know why my books are that complicated. People pay for monthly membership to to access my courses and old interviews, mm-hmm. advertisers, and it's it's about two dozen advertisers a year pay for mm-hmm. ads that go within the interviews. I have mm-hmm. random expenses, but it's all software and people. Where why is it always a headache? Why can't I get a f- I want to curse so badly. I get so angry at this all of a sudden. Why can't I know how much money I made as of yesterday? Why do I have to wait till the month is over and then one or two weeks for bookkeepers to do it? It's all freaking Stripe. It's all PayPal. It's all basic, yeah. basic stuff. Yep. And that's the problem, right, Andrew? Because everyone, uh, most of the people in the accounting world are so used to doing things manually and they they don't I've, even I've start ne- working I've... on your books until the month ends. True. I, I invested in Indonero. I really like Indonero. They were going to create brand new QuickBooks. They decided instead that what they're going to do is do actual humans doing the books in QuickBooks or whatever, or even in their software if you want it. That's where they pivoted. I used pilot.com. Pilot.com said, all we do is create these scripts and automations because everybody who has an online business is basically getting data from the same sources. We're going to vacuum it in. I thought, great. I could always go in and see how much money I have as of yesterday. Even with them, it takes a week or two. They're not they're not these old-fashioned businesses. There are new businesses in the space that still can't tell me as of yesterday how much money I have. Every entrepreneur faces it. I would have thought that you wouldn't have, frankly, with Mezzi. You told our producer headache after headache. You said you would have to scramble with the bookkeeper to get data before board meetings. You're raising millions of dollars from investors. Exactly. You don't have you don't have income coming in from random freaking sources. You still have to suffer. Why? What's the freaking difficulty here? Yeah. So there are, uh, I, I would say, several problems here. And it's a pretty hard problem if you look under the hood. First is that you need to integrate with all the different sources that you might be using today, whether it's Stripe, whether it's your banks, credit cards, accounting software, payroll providers, payment, okay, yes. payment all, all those sources. Then look at all the data. Reconcile all that data, categorize all that data, identify vendors, uh, look at what your revenue sources are. When are you getting that revenue? When are you supposed to record those revenues? And with each business, these nuances change. That's why bookkeepers or even with Pilot, they they all start working on your books after the month ends. They sit, they look at all these sources, they manually categorize transactions in a lot of cases. They will reconcile stuff and then they will take two weeks to do all this and then close your books. But we, we knew that this is a problem and that's why with Zeni we are building the first real-time bookkeeping platform. So we guarantee you daily bookkeeping every single day and offer you real-time insights into your finances every single day. So, and, and I don't, this is what we all want. Every single yeah. person, if you've got a SaaS company, if you've got recurring revenue, you want to know where are we standing? You have some ballpark yeah. already. Just tell me, are we doing a little bit higher, a little bit lower? But I'm still curious about why others can't get it done. And maybe this isn't a question for you. Maybe it's a question for me to come back and, and talk to the founder of uh, Pilot about. Stripe and all these other sources are so meticulous about the way they get data out. I'm surprised that nobody else can organize it better. 
Yes, and and the funny thing is that Stripe itself doesn't in- integrate with QuickBooks. So whenever you, if you are using QuickBooks, is you that right? Data, yeah, you need to pull data out from Stripe and then push it to QuickBooks. I didn't realize it. So we do that, and then I get all freaking nuts because apparently each one of these um, entries is uh, what's it called? It creates an invoice yeah. in QuickBooks. You know this? Yeah. <laughs> this is a freaking headache because then I want to know how many invoices are outstanding for my sponsors. And it shows me some random dude who a month ago didn't pay his bill for $25 a month. And now yeah. that's showing up and it looks like we have more outstanding invoices, which we don't. Yeah. If the guy didn't want to pay, great, cancel it. Don't invoice him. Yep. So this is one thing that we solve with Zenny where we give you a finance concierge. The finance concierge will stay on top of following up with your customers, making sure that cash collections is performed, et cetera. So you don't fall behind. All right. I, I want to talk just a little bit more about this. First, I forgot my second sponsor is Rippling. Here's why I switched to Rippling. QuickBooks comes with a way to pay your people, right? Then you have to 1099 them if they're contractors. You have to wire some people. If they're outside of the country, there's a freaking headache, right? So there's all these different services. I said, I'm never going to be in the business of 1099ing again. I have bookkeepers. I have accountants. How does it always come back to me that I have to 1099 every contractor? And it's kind of awkward because you have to go back to people from January and say, is this how much you made? And they say, no. And then you have to adjust it. And then you go back and you send them the 1099. It's a big freaking headache. Same thing happens when you've got contractors in the US. This happens if you have contractors internationally. If you have employees, there are a whole bunch of other issues that go into it. You want to handle it and you want it handled right. That's where Rippling comes in. What do you know about Rippling? You you work with them, right? You integrate, you suck in the data from them and you organize it in, in people's books? Yes. Yeah. We do work with Rippling uh, and we work with <clears throat> basically all the top payroll providers. And what do you know about companies. Rippling? Do you know anything about them that what makes them special? I could tell you if you don't. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think one of the key things uh, about or differentiators about Rippling is the fact that they also do IT management for you. So if you are onboarding a new employee, they will also provision their laptop, allow you to create accounts for them across all the different services automatically, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, hell yeah, right. Especially now you got people working all over the world. You want to make sure to get a computer them with all the software that that they need on it. Or Or if it's just buy whatever computer they want. Um, let them use their own computer. Great. You still want the contractors to all have access to the same set of software and not have a situation where two different people will sign up for the same. We have that at our company. Three different people will sign up to the exact same company, three different accounts. Nobody knows what the login is because they it's not organized. Rippling says, you're onboarding people, get everything signed, all the contracts, make sure that you know where to send the money, make sure that you tell the system how you plan to pay them. And then you give them access automatically when they're starting to work with you to all the software they need in one place. They just log into Rippling to their account and they get to see how much money they made. They get to see where the money is. They get to decide where it goes, bank account, what, whatever. And they get to see all the software that they have access to. This is beautiful. Listen to me, people. I can talk about Rippling a lot. You can go do your own research and see why it's amazing. If you're paying contractors, employees, if you've got people who are moving from city to city, state to state, even going internationally, and you need to make sure to get them paid and get them the software you need, you got to check out Rippling. And if you go to rippling.com slash Mixergy, they will walk you through this whole software and show you why it's miles ahead. You should just understand it. Even if you're not ready to switch today, you should know it because at some point you're going to switch to Rippling. I know it. Um, how do you get cl- customers now for Zenny? Yeah, so today, again, our entire growth is by word of mouth. We are working with more than 100 startups today. 
and either our customers are referring other customers people are our, our advisors are referring customers to us so it's all by word of mouth till now it's super early though right uh, i i wouldn't say now it's super early i would have said that an year ago we have already processed more than 300 million dollars in transactions till date and are on track to process close to a billion dollars in transactions in how many customers month. would you say you have now more than 100 oh wow okay The reason I thought it was super early is because when you and I were looking at the site earlier, I just typed in zeni.ai and it went to a broken link and then once I adjusted it by saying https, it took me to the site which looks beautiful. I'm looking at traffic sources on Semrush and it looks like traffic didn't really get going on the site until September 2020, right? Yeah, we we have been small. we have been uh, operating in the stealth mode for the last almost a uh, year and a half now. Ah okay. We just launched a couple of weeks ago. Where's your funding from? So we raised uh, a total of 13.5 million dollars Sama Capital led the round and okay. uh, Sierra Ventures, Silicon Valley Bank, Amit Singhal, uh, several other funds also participated. None of your high profile angel friends? Sorry? None of your high profile angel friends invested. You have high profile. I feel like you've got really good connections in Silicon Valley, am I right? Yeah, we have several angel investors who have invested in Zeni, like the CEO of Poshmark, Manish Chandra is an angel investor, Gokul Rajaram is an angel investor, Amit Singhal is an angel investor, and Nikhil Jagatthar is an angel investor. So we have a lot of I'm lucky to have a lot of amazing people backing us. Why didn't you why why didn't you start with just the reporting via chat like say look keep your bookkeeper keep your software we're just going to be an add on to quickbooks we know you need some reports you need some data we'll just go and get you that why did why did you decide that you wanted to take on the whole bookkeeping and reporting operation uh, i think for the very same reason that you mentioned before all the bookkeepers do stuff manually and wake up when the month ends and we didn't want that we wanted to basically make sure that these bookkeepers and accountant can work hand in hand with our technology and that had to be real time so we had to build this entire team from the ground up and you had to do bookkeepers first let the bookkeepers train the software and then eventually software will do almost all of it uh, i i don't think software would do all of it probably for uh, some cases uh, it would be able to do it but at the end of the day i think 70 to 80% of it can be automated not 100% you will always need a an accountant a bookkeeper or a controller to oversee things to make sure everything is accurate and the price is in line with bookkeepers i hate using individual bookkeepers what you guys did before at mezzi i didn't realize you had a part time bookkeeper i hate that the the, yeah. the person gets flaky has forget flaky they have a real issue in their lives and instead of thinking about how are they doing are they sick will they be sick for a month you have to think about will they do my books i hate that i want to have a whole team of people and so for the price of a single bookkeeper you essentially uh, at that price will do my whole books i'm thinking of maybe having you guys do like a shadow version of my books cuz i'm already locked in with my bookkeeping company and I, i i like them enough but man i'd love to have instant results You sure. really will yeah, have it should. done within 24 hours. I can always go back in and see how much money we made as of yesterday. Absolutely. We have founders who are uh, checking their finances every single day for a lot of high growth startups. All right. For anyone who wants to go check it out, it's zeni.ai. That's z e n i.ai. 
congratulations on, uh, on all your success. I feel like this could be the, the biggest of all your businesses, but I also think here's the big problem. I think that you're going to find, tell me, tell me if this is something that's come up again, I've been looking at the space for a long time. Switching costs are a pain in the neck. People can't like, look at me. I'm connected to my bookkeeping company. It's really tough to switch, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you will switch if you have pain points and 70% of our customers move to Zenny from a finance firm or a part-time bookkeeper Yes, where they see problems with their current setup. And whenever you see that, that's an opportunity for you to, cons- for you to consider change. I think the onboarding is, I'm surprised you have a hundred so fast that hundred customers. I think your onboarding is going to be a big challenge. I mean, the, the, I think getting new customers is going to be a challenge. Um, and you're probably going to start to think about how do we get people in earlier, earlier, and maybe you'll end up doing something like you'll LLC them. Maybe you'll buy up accounting firms and then just move their people into software. You know, you don't see do- yourself doing that. Uh, we definitely don't see buying accounting firms. Okay. What else would you do? I could see that at some point you might offer software that requires less of a commitment to switch where it would just be get reporting via QuickBooks. And then we do a little bit, a little bit more. Maybe you, maybe you do some basic software that will categorize things better or suck in data from Stripe. Maybe you do like a Stripe tool, right? It's really tough to get people to switch bookkeeping companies, but if you could get your toe in the door, then your Mm -hmm. whole body will come in afterwards, right? People will want you to take everything on. Yep. That's possible. I could see that, or I could see something else. QuickBooks, actually, surprisingly, it's an old company. A lot of their stuff feels really dated, but they're very agile, kind of like American Express in, in recognizing the va- the value that you had uh, with Mezzi. I could see that maybe QuickBooks would say, let's just get Zenny. Let's just be the, but no, the problem with, that they have is they're already invested in their professionals, right? That they've put money in, that they're promoting on their site. Am I right? They don't want you to replace all those professionals who's, who are building their livelihoods on QuickBooks. Yeah, I think uh, there's a great opportunity for QuickBooks to partner with companies like Zenny. And we already are one of the QuickBooks partners. So if you actually sign up for QuickBooks via Zenny, you get 50% off on your monthly subscription. So I think the But the that's different. If they acquire yeah. you, then they're basically saying, use our bookkeeping company instead of all these professionals that we've created a long relationship with, right? And brought along. That could be a challenge. Yeah, that can be interesting. I think uh, if it, if not Zenny, I think they can definitely consider acquiring players where they can take QuickBooks to the net, next level when it comes to adding key AI features into their mm. accounting software. All right. I don't know where this is going, but I freaking, I'm glad that you're doing this. I think that it's, it's nuts that we're all doing the same QuickBooks thing. I think it's nuts that people who are automating everything, how many come, you know what? I bet you, what is it? Uh, Airship, I forget the company that I met in, in, uh, I got to find out. I bet you the people who are doing robot food delivery companies have human beings who are doing their books. They will not allow a human being to go bring their freaking burger from the store to their house, right? They want the robot delivery thing, but they have a human being who's doing their books and they're willing to wait 20, 20 days after the end of the month for their books to be done. This is, this is a great opportunity for you. I'm, I, yep. I feel like I'm much more excited than you are about this you're much calmer and saner about it. And maybe I'm overwhelming you with my enthusiasm for what you're working on. Did no, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think this is a huge opportunity. The, the, the market is global and the mm-hmm. problem is seen with pretty much every startup that we have spoken to every entrepreneur that we have spoken to. And uh, I do foresee people changing to AI powered solutions sooner than later in the future. Mm-hmm. Till now there weren't many alternatives. 
so the moment they know about it, they switch within 30 days. Like our sales cycles are super fast. So you'll be surprised as to how fast people are, are ready to switch from our traditional finance form to something like Zenny. They, they trust you with their books right away. They wouldn't just say, look, did you see what I just did earlier? I said, what if I create a second QuickBooks account and then I give you access to that? And then they don't do that. They just say, take over my current QuickBooks. Yeah, we, we normally don't work. Uh, in, in fact, if someone suggests us that, we normally don't recommend that. We always like to be the, 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 the primary source for all these uh, customers. And now, if we were working with our first five or 10 customers, it would have been an issue of trust. But now that we have already worked with more than 100 customers, that is hopefully behind us. All right. I'm glad to see that, that you're doing this. Um... Um, look at me. I'm, I'm getting back to business mode. I'm very calm now. I'm not excited about your business. <laughs> I, I think you're, I, if you go back and listen to the last 10 years, whenever somebody's willing to take on this problem, I get super psyched. And then eventually I get disappointed because they fail at it. And then they take on it. Don't get me wrong. They end up doing well. They do well by their customers. But the the dream of better bookkeeping just done up to the minute is never is just never seems to be achieved and i feel like you're you're going to get there you've got the background to do it yep so uh, i think andrew you might have spoken to many players in this field or who want to do this but uh, have you come across a team that has spent the last 5 years building ai powered platforms didn't and didn't then, the pilot.com team do that don't no disrespect no, to them i think they're phenomenal no, people I think, yeah, they are, they are a phenomenal team. They are one of the early movers, so hats off to them. They came from a different background. They, are, they have deep technology experience. I think mm-hmm. where we differ is the part where we have spent the last four years building an AI-powered travel-as-a-service platform where travel agents collaborated with machines to build this unique AI experience. Yeah. Now we took the blueprint from that and applying it to the finance vertical where we have tra- finance experts collaborating with our, our technology to create this unique AI experience for our startup customers. That's why I think you've got you've got the ability to do this where others have failed. Fingers crossed. Yep, we are confident about uh, executing on this as per plans. Yeah, there's there's no way this is. I would rather a human bring bring my food than than organize my money. I'll tell you why. Again, I'm spending way too much time. I get too lit up about this. The level of problems that entrepreneurs put up with, how many entrepreneurs do you talk to who don't know how much money they have in the bank? Or if they do, they want a freaking email from someone on their team who will put it together because there's no software that does it. Didn't Jason Candlecanis on his podcast talk about that, that he needs somebody on his team to tell him how much money do we have in the bank? How much this, how much that? Send him via email. Will Schroeder, the guy's like a mental patient because he must have really failed badly before starting startups.com or had a bad period. He talks to me about how every day he needs to know his numbers via email. It's a human being like an assistant on his team that puts it together for him, right? Why does that have to be? Why? And here's the problem with it. Human beings always make mistakes, right? And especially when it mm-hmm. comes to numbers, they're bound to make mistakes and they take time. Why? Why when all my data is all digitized, it's all in a system already, why is my, the, whatever you and I are saying will be transcribed by software? Why is it that, that I can't have that done for my finances? All right. I'm, I'm really going nuts here. I'm ranting and raving. There's, there's no value anymore in the podcast. People should have just tuned out before I went crazy, but this, this needs to be solved and it's a solvable problem. Absolutely. We are excited to, to take this problem head on and, and solve it hopefully sooner than later. 
All right. Thanks so much for being on here. <laughs> you're very patient to see me. I'm looking at your face as I as I get all wound up and you're like, this is not the world that I play in, but I but I like you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. Listen, if you want sanity when it comes to paying your people and giving them the tech that they need in order to work with you, if you have te- a team, go to rippling.com slash Mixergy. Talk to them. I'm telling you, they will blow your minds with what's possible. Do your research. You'll see how great they are. And if you need a website hosted, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy.